You know, I'd say that sound is probably one of the most recognizable sounds in your life. Uh, at least I would say it's probably one of the most common sounds in your life. Whatever ringtone you've downloaded, when that phone rings or vibrates or sings or flashes or does backflips, whatever your phone does, um, we're like Pavlov's dogs. We are trained to respond. We leap furniture. I've seen you. I've seen you knock over small children. I've seen you avoid traffic and forget you're driving because we got to answer the phone. It's like there's something in us that says, you, you got to answer the phone. We love our phones. Despite the medical community telling us that if we spend too much time on the phone, we'll get cancer. Have you heard that one? Or uh, the flight attendant says that if you're on your phone, your plane will go down. Have you heard that one? And uh, that little sign on the gas pump that says you'll explode if you're on the phone while you're filling up your car. Still, when that phone rings, I'll answer it. As a, as a matter of fact, there's a medical condition now uh, called phantom ringing that you answer your phone even when it doesn't ring when it vibrates in your pocket. Um, and if somebody else's phone is ringing or vibrating in a meeting, and you look across and you can see it and they're not picking it up, you look at them and you're staring at them like, what's wrong with you? Kind of like you're staring at me right now. It's like, why, why don't you pick up that phone? I'm, I, I answer the phone. Uh, if I'm in the mall and the pay phone rings, I'll answer the phone because when the phone rings, you got to answer it, right? You just have to. Now, in my life, phone calls kind of come in two different categories for me, expected and unexpected. I like expected phone calls right? Happy phone calls. You know, maybe you, you know, you're, you, you, you've, uh, you talk to somebody, they said, hey, I might call you later. And it's finally, you know, he called, you look on the ID, it's him, he's going to ask me out. And you're like, it's about time. Do you answer the phone? You run to the phone because it might be that special someone, you know? Um, it, it, it might, when you're a little kid, remember when, when you'd go and, and it said, uh, it was the school, but it was like six o'clock in the morning and they called because it was a snow day. And you're like, yay, Jesus, there's a snow, you know? You like that when um, at work or at school, someone said, hey, I got great news, I'll call you at seven o'clock. You sit by the phone, you pick it up on the first ring because you want to hear the good news, right? We, we love phone calls like, like that. Um, if, you're, if your parents or your, or your kids are out of town on a business trip, or maybe they're on a mission trip to Afghanistan, someplace scary like that, and they say, hey, we're going to call on Tuesday night, you stare at the phone until it rings, right? And when he finally calls and it's, and it's them, it's like, it's like an answer to prayer, and you say, this is a good day, I, I got the phone call. Those are good phone calls, the expected ones, I like those. The unexpected ones, I don't like so much. And I know that there's some unexpected phone calls, I guess they, they, could, they could be good, like Powerball could call and say, we don't know what to do with the money, do you want it? That could happen. You know, the bank could call and says, you actually have more. That, that could happen. But most of the unexpected phone calls in my life are usually not good. Like when the caller ID says it's my credit card company, they're not calling me just to say, how you doing? They're usually asking, where's the check, right? My kids, my, when my kids were in school uh, and the phone would ring in the middle of the day unexpectedly, they weren't calling to tell me that Jordan got an A. You know, Allison was voted, you know, easiest to get along with. No, usually something was on fire or broken or someone was bleeding, right? That's, that's just, this is true. And here's the big one. There are no good unexpected phone calls at 2 in the morning. They just don't exist, especially when that caller ID says it's the police or the hospital. See, when that call comes, you wake up and you hold your breath. And you reach for the phone, but your hand's kind of trembling because you know that as soon as you push that button, everything that you knew as normal life is about, it's very possible it's, it's about to change. And you don't want to answer the phone, but you have to. Now, I say all that to kind of set up what we're going to be talking about this month, which ties into what we've been talking about for the last couple of months is what do we do or what should we do or what are we going to do when life gets interrupted, when life kind of falls apart? How do we respond when what we counted on doesn't happen, what we hoped would happen doesn't? 
when what we hope would never happen actually happens. Whether it's our fault or somebody else's fault or nobody's fault, what do we do when life falls apart, when bad stuff hits our life? And here's the other question we've been trying to get our arms around is, where is God when life gets hard? And what can we expect to count on from Him? Because the truth is, all right, one day, whether it's a two o'clock in the morning phone call or a face-to-face conversation, something's going to interrupt your life. And life as you know it, until you figure it out, goes on hold. Your life, your peace, your, uh, your plans, your normalcy, everything on your life goes on hold. Now, we've been talking about this over the last month in here, but we've been kind of generic about when life kind of goes wrong, when life gets interrupted. But this month, we're going to get into a, very, a, a few specific areas of our life. And here's what I mean by that. If I were to pull this audience and have you write down on cards, what are like the most important parts of your life? I think we would agree on pretty much the same thing. Let me say it another way. Of all the parts of your life or all the people in your life, what are you most afraid of something happening? In other words, um, there's this one part of my life that I hope I never get one of those two o'clock in the morning phone calls about what? What is that for you? You know, Scott and I sat down and tried to put this series together. We kind of landed on four, and I bet those four kind of line up with your life too. The, the parts of my life that are the most important would be me and Robin. It would be my relationship. For you, it might be the person you're dating. Um, if, you're, if you're younger in your life, it may be you and your parents. I, I don't know. But there, there's a relational, significant relationship in your life that you hope nothing ever goes wrong there, right? Or if you get a little bit older, you know, maybe it's your kids, you hope nothing ever happens bad to your kids. Or if you're a little, you hope nothing ever bad happens to, to your parents. Or, or maybe it's your own health, either mental or, or, or physical health. You, you hope, you, you hope you, you never get a bad diagnosis. You hope you never get depressed. Or, or maybe it's your money. You know, you say, well, that just sounds, you know, the most important part of my life. Let's just be honest. A lot of us hope that if a lot of things go wrong in our life, we just pray that there's money in the bank tomorrow. What do we do when parts of our life, especially the most important parts of our life, get interrupted? That's what we're going to talk about this month. Now this, I'm going to tell you right up front, this is not going to be a how to have a better marriage seminar, okay? We've taught on marriage. Get online if you want to hear that. Uh, This is not about how to be a better parent or a better kid. No. See, here's the thing is, the truth is, and we've taught on all that stuff before, but you can do everything right in your life, Right? You know, you, your health, you can, you can jog and go to the gym and eat fiber and whatever. And, and, and here's the thing is, all right, um, that phone call still comes, right? I mean, you can be the best whatever and you don't get a vote on whether you get a phone call. You don't get a, get a vote on whether your life gets interrupted and nobody gets a pass on this. And here's where we're going to land tonight if you have to leave early. Jesus promised us in this life, we will have trouble. We will. It doesn't matter if you love him or not, and he loves you or not. In this life, you're going to have trouble. So what we're going to look at this month is what do we do when trouble hits, a lot, hits our life, when trouble comes calling and life screeches to a halt. Now, here are kind of the, the ground rules for, for this series for the next month, okay? Um, first of all, not every situation we're going to talk about is going to apply to you, all right? But the truth will. You're smart people, all right? So if you go in there and go, okay, that's not exactly my situation, but the truth applies to to my life. For example, tonight, because it's Valentine's Day, we're going to talk about relationships, all right? But the truth is, at least half of the room's not married, or not married anymore, or never, ever, ever wants to be married, okay? So, and if that's you tonight, that's that's cool, okay? But there's a truth in here that can be applied to any significant relationship in your life, either your best friend, or the person you're dating, or even even your parents, you know, or, or a family member, whoever you say is the closest people in my life are, you can apply this truth to that situation. Second, um, this, especially tonight, but this series is going to kind of sound like a downer. It's like, this is heavy. 
You know, this is, you're talking about relationships breaking up and my health falling apart and facing financial disaster. I mean, I, I agree. It's heavy. Tonight's heavy. But we could become that church. If you guys want to, we could vote. We could become that church that only talks about happy, shiny stuff. You want to do that? Um, you know, Jesus sitting on a cloud playing a harp surrounded by puppies. If you want to be that church, you know, for, go for it. Find another pastor, but, but, but go for it, okay? Um, but it's not real helpful when the phone rings. And it's just not real. And finally, the goal of this series, to be really honest, is that you never have to use anything you hear tonight. How's that? I pray that everything I talk about tonight never, ever applies to you, all right? But again, and we all know this is true, we don't get to pick if and when the phone rings at 2 in the morning. We don't get to pick if and when our life is going to screech to a halt and interrupt everything we knew as normal. So like we talked about a few weeks ago, when this guy named Peter looked at Jesus and said, listen, everybody else might break up with you. I'll never break up with you. I'm telling you, I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you. I mean, I promise, because I just love you so much, I'll stick with you forever, which he meant with all of his heart. But the takeaway from that week, if you weren't here, I'll just tell you what it was. Never say never. Never say never. Why? Because well-meaning people make mistakes, don't we? And nobody knows what is going to hit us tomorrow. And we probably aren't as strong as we think we are. So if you're sitting in here tonight, you know, and over the next, you know, half an hour or so, you're going to sit here and go, this, this doesn't apply to me. This is never, ever going to apply to me. I hope you're right. I really do. I hope that you sit there and go, this is great for other people, but, you know, and that may be true in your life. But just in case, just do me a favor tonight. Write a couple things down. Put it in the back of a cabinet, in a file cabinet, whatever, for a rainy day or a bad phone call day. All right? And here's what I mean, okay? It's Valentine's Day weekend, so let's apply this to love and romance and marriage. And if you don't love anybody, you don't have romance and you're not married, do the math and you're going to figure this out, okay? And here's, here's what I mean by this. You know, a couple weeks ago we looked at, you know, Peter looking at Jesus swearing, I will never leave you. I, I love you so much, I, I just can't imagine ever, ever anything coming between the two of us. And he meant it with all his heart. And I think that a lot of us, at least, and myself included, when we went into romance, when we went into love, when we asked somebody out on a date, and it went pretty well for a while or whatever, and then maybe we put a ring on our finger, maybe we're just really, really, really close to him or whatever, there's just nothing in our mind that can ever imagine something coming between us. Remember that? You just really can't imagine a situation that would ever kind of break us up or come between us, and we think it's always going to feel like that. But it's not. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a real thing. And I can prove it to you. This weekend, all right, tonight, all right, Valentine's Day, if you get up from here and you go to a restaurant, you can tell which couples are like on the first chapter of the relationship, like it's new, and, the, and which couples are a few hundred pages into it. You know what I mean? Like the, like the new couples. You can tell who they are. Because they, they, they just sit there in the booth or at the table staring at each other, just staring at each other. And, and they, they try to eat while they hold hands. Remember that? It's like, you're like, okay, I can do this, all right? And then sometimes they even feed each other. They, they feed each other, and, and then they, they overlap. They overlap at every joke the other person tells. They sit on the same side of the booth. This is, this is stupid, and they make pouty face. I hate pouty face. That's my French fry. You know, it's like, they talk baby talk. I hate baby talk. And here's the thing is, all right? They're new. You can tell the couples that have been together for a while, because unless one of them gets choked... 
If somebody has to do the Heimlich, there's just not going to be a lot of conversation tonight. It's just, it's just true. And I know, and I've already looked around the room, and I've spotted, yeah, they spotted last, the new couples. I can tell who you are because you've looked at each other and kind of condescendingly rolled your eyes and said, we'll never be like that. And you mean it. You mean it with all your heart. You really have no plans to ever become that couple, you know? You really do. And I, and I hope you never do. I really do. Same way with communication. Right now, you new couples, you love talking. You talk about everything. You talk about the day. You talk about your life. You talk about your fears, your hopes, your dreams. You talk about everything. You, have, you, you get on the phone and, and you talk. You fall asleep on the phone. Have you ever seen a dating couple on the phone trying to hang up? It just makes you puke. I mean, it's like, okay, all right, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you go first. Okay. No, are you there? I'm still here too. Ah, you know? And, and then, then you do this. This is, this is so weird, you know? Okay, one, two, three. I'm still here too, you know? And, and you just, I just want to take the phone and like throw it in traffic. It just makes me, it makes me so mad. And here's the thing is, okay? And again, you're going to look at each other and go, that'll never be us. You can't imagine the day when you look at the caller ID and it's your husband or wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend and your response is, oh crap, what do they want? You're like, oh, just, that never happened to us, right? All right? It's the same thing with sex, and, all right? And so this is why it's fifth grade and above, but here we go, all right? Um, some of you, you know, and, and you know who you are, all right? Some of you are sitting in this room right now thinking that the sex that you're having now, and by now I mean this, in the first few weeks and months of your sexual relationship, you think, <laughs> this is great, right? You think it's always going to be like this, <laughs> or better, or better. You really do. And you believe it. And your plans are that way. You believe that pillows will always explode. You do. You believe that ceiling fans really can't support your weight. You believe that, all right? <laughs> Guys, you think that she's always going to wear Victoria's Secret and say the word yes a lot. <laughs> right? You, you do. You do. Um, ladies, <laughs> here's the thing is, you still believe him when he says, I just want to talk. <laughs> I like cuddling. You believe that, all right? That's great. And if that's you, that's awesome. That's great, and I, and I hope that's true. But you can't imagine, you, and really, you can't. You can't imagine going a few days or a few weeks or a few years. You can't even imagine this. This is going to be like a, a different language, a different plan to you. You can't imagine going a long span of time where if there is any sex, it's out of duty or responsibility, not out of passion, not out of love. And you sit and go, that's not going to happen to us. And you are so sure it's not. And, I, and, I, and you mean it. You really do. And like I said, I hope that everything we're going to talk about tonight never has to apply to you. I really do. But tonight, we're not going to talk about. Here's what this series is not about. How to have a great marriage. Or how to be a good friend. Or how to be the best boyfriend or girlfriend. Or how to keep communication lines open for the rest of your life. Or how to stay sexually pure. Tonight is going to be about this. And it's going to be heavy. Tonight, what I want to talk about on Valentine's Day is what do you do when whatever significant relationship you're in blows apart? Let's talk about that. Screeches to a halt, you know, just, just blows apart. Something interrupts what you thought at one time was going to last forever. Because there's some of us in this room, we love Valentine's Day. And there's some of us in this room, we hate it. What do you do? What do you do when the person that you thought was going to love you for the rest of your life looks at you and says, I don't love you anymore? Or worse yet, I actually love somebody else. Or at least I'm sleeping with somebody else. What do you do when you find out that the person that stood in front of a church or looked you in the eye or whatever and made all these promises to you lied? What do you do then? 
What are you doing? The person in your life that you thought would always be there for you, and it's not just about you know, romance. I mean, this could be your best friend. This could be your parents. This could be whatever. Uh, they, you, you thought they would always be there for you. They would always support you. They'd always stand by you. They'd always take care of you. What do you do when, for whatever reason, they've decided they're not going to anymore? What do you do then? And the question is, what do you do? The question is not, what did they do wrong? That's easy. We can answer that one. You didn't have to come to church for that. Here's what, they, here's what they did wrong. They cheated. They lied. They quit. They gave up. That was easy. The question is not, what should they do different? That's an easy question. Here it is. They should stop doing what they're doing and come home. They should stop doing what they're doing wrong and start doing what, the right thing. And they should say, I'm sorry, a lot. That's what they should do. That's not the question we're looking at tonight. The question that has to be answered is not even whose fault it is. That's not an easy question to answer. But let's, for argument's sake tonight, let's just say it's all their fault. What if it's all their fault? See, none of those answers, even if you're right, make things okay, do they? I mean, even if you're right, they shouldn't have done that. What they did was wrong, and here's what they ought to do, and, and it's all their fault. Even if you're right on that, it doesn't make it go away. Just like when you get a horrible phone call in the middle of the night, you can't scream at the phone, I didn't want that to happen. I, I, I didn't see that coming. I don't, it's not my fault. And the voice on the other end of the phone is not going to come back and go, oh, okay, well, then never mind. I'll wave a magic wand, and it'll go away. That's not real. What real is, it happened. And now you're left sitting on the edge of the bed or sitting in an emergency room or sitting in your car or sitting on the couch or running out of the room trying to pick up the pieces. See, the, the time comes when the question is not, not about what happened or why it happened or whose fault it is. The only question that we're left with is, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? Or maybe a better question is, what do I need to do now? Not what do I feel like doing. Don't answer that. Because if you do what you feel like doing, they will put you in jail, right? I mean, and I'm with you. So as, as, as your pastor, I get to hear a lot of your stories. And, 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 I, and it's just amazing. It's amazing the painful things that, that some of us in this room ha- have gone through. And when I hear that, I, I look at you and I think to myself, you know, I'd be mad too. I'd actually be more angry. I don't understand why you're not more mad than you actually are. If, if someone did something to me, what's been done to you? If someone did something to my family, what's been done to your family, I mean, I, I'm with you. I vote, let's go find them. I'll hold them, you hit them. That, that's me. See, honestly, I've listened to some of you tell me what's happened in your life. And I don't say this out loud because I'd probably get fired because it's not only not a very good Christian, it's, it's, this is not very nice at all for anybody. But there's part of me when I hear your stories and I think to myself, if I had to live through what you're living through and endure what you're going through right now, I don't understand why you don't drink more. I don't. I don't understand why you don't get higher. I don't understand why you don't get in a car and drive away. I, I wouldn't blame you if you took the Bible verses and started rewriting them from do unto others as you would have them do to you. I would rewrite it, do unto others like they did to you and some more. Because that's how it feels. It's not very Christian. It's nothing like Jesus. But it's how I, it's how I feel sometimes, don't you? So we're not going to listen to advice from Jim. That won't help you at all, okay? Um, maybe God's Word has something... B- more helpful than I'll hold them, you hit them, all right? So, um, but I got to tell you tonight, it's going to end kind of abrupt. And every once in a while we, we say, you know what, you have to do the math. I don't know how this is going to apply to you, but it will. It may not apply to you today, but it will tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, then the day after tomorrow, I promise. We're not going to look at any Bible verses having to do with marriage. So if you think this is a marriage seminar, it, it's not. There are a lot of verses in the Bible about marriage. That's not what I want to talk about tonight. There are a lot of verses in the Bible about divorce. You know, Moses talked about it. Jesus talked about it. The Apostle Paul, he talked about divorce. I don't want to talk about divorce tonight. 
If that's a question that you need answered, you know, if you're, if you're facing that in your life, get on our, our website and go to, our, to, to the messages. Back in November, Scott taught a great message called Behind Locked Doors. And you can get on there and you can listen to um, his teaching on divorce. And as a child of divorce, he has a, a great perspective on it. But the, the verses out of the Bible that I want to look at tonight don't have anything to do with marriage. Don't have anything to do with relational failure, all right? But they, have, they also have everything to do with it because no matter what interrupts your life, um, eventually we're all going to be sitting on a couch or staring at the ceiling asking this question, what do I do now? So if you, ever, if you have your Bible, like open it like, to the very middle to the book of Psalms, all right? The book of Psalms, and if you have the Flatterns Bible, it's page 420, or it's also in your program. Um, now here's the thing is, most of the Psalms are written by a guy named David, and he's kind of a famous guy in the Bible. We don't really know who wrote this, this particular Psalm, all right? But I think it very likely could have been David. Because when we get into this, if I had gone through some of the stuff that David had gone through, some of the phone calls he got, this is what I would write down. Like, he had an affair and it busted up his marriage. You write stuff like this after that. You write stuff like this after your baby dies. His baby died. Maybe that's, this is when he wrote this. Um, you, write, you write stuff like this when you get arrested or busted for murder. You write stuff like this. Um, you write stuff like this when your oldest son is trying to kill you. Dysfunctional family, all right? You write down stuff like this. And we're going to go really slow in this, but it's actually David or whoever it is actually writing out a prayer. And it, it goes all, it's one of the longest chapters in the whole Bible, but I'm just going to look at one section of his prayer to God. So whatever's gone wrong in his life, this is how he starts it out. He says this, I'm laid low in the dust. Literally, I bit the, du- I bit the dust today. I, I, I'm laid low in the dust. Whatever's happened in this person's life, it's knocked them flat on their face. It literally translates, um, I feel like dirt. I feel like I'm going to die, like they've already put me down in the dirt, all right? And here's the thing is, the guy writing this loves God and knows that God loves him, but today, he got knocked out. He got knocked out. He feels like he's dying. And I would say that part of him says, dying would be better than this. Ever felt like that? Ever ever had that day? So, I'm laid low in the dust. And there's some promises that are going to kind of come through here, so you might want to write down some promises over in the margin of your program or something like that. I'm laid low in the dust. Here's the promise. Preserve my life according to to your word. In other words, hey, hey, God, I've heard all about your promises. I've read them in the Bible for myself. You promised to take care of me. I go to that Flatirons church, and that guy up there, he talks about how much you're going to take care of me. I've, I've, I've heard songs that Brian has led, and they have all these promises about how much you love me. I've even told other people, don't give up because God loves you. It's different today. I need you to take care of me. I don't need religious advice. I need, I need you to take care of me. Literally translates, I need you to save my life because I think I'm going to die. Again, ever, ever prayed that prayer? Part one of what am I going to do, answer, uh, you're going to ask God to keep you alive. Because you know one thing, you can't do this alone. So here's a promise. I don't know what phone call you're going to get tomorrow. I don't know how your life's going to get disrupted in the future. Here's a promise. Ask him. He'll keep you alive. Maybe that's all you needed to hear tonight. Here's the next verse. I recounted my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. And recounted my ways means this guy looked at God and and by detail described everything that's been going on in his life. Hey God, this happened and then she did this and then they did this and then this happened and then the medical report came back this way and then this happened and and she promised and then she lied and she did this and and he's pouring out his heart to God not because God doesn't know. We don't pray to God. We don't tell God what's going on in our life so that he's in heaven with notes going, what? 
She did what? He did, no, I, I had no idea. Come on, keep it coming, you know? There's, there's no, we're not informing God. We're telling God. We're pouring out our, heart, our hearts to God. And here's why. This guy who's, who's pouring out his heart to God actually believes God's paying attention to him. Actually believes that God is willing to listen to his crying and his yelling and his ranting and his screaming and if it was me and his cussing. And because he's willing to listen, here's why. This guy actually believes that what's important to me is important to God because I'm important to God. Does that make sense? God listens to your prayers. Not because it's earth-changing and all the universe hinges on your problem. No, no, no. Here's why it's so important to God because you are. Your problem is important to God because you're important to God. And because of that, he's willing to, to listen and sort out through all of our anger and our hurt and our crying and, 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 our, and our tantrums, whether they're right or wrong, and look in that and go, I, I hear you. And I want to tell you something. It tells us what to do. So here's the thing is, all right, even if you feel like you're dying, all right, even, even though you're pouring out your heart to God, listen. Here's a promise. He'll, he'll tell you what to do. He will. But it won't be easy. Look at the next verse. Let me understand the teaching. Let me understand what you're telling me, God, the teaching of your precepts. Then I'll meditate on your wonders. See, God is always trying to tell us something. God is always trying to teach us something, all right? He's always trying to say, here's the best way to go. There are always two deals on the table, and he's always saying, take this one. Take this one, all right? But I got to be honest with you, all right? Most of the time, and I would say almost every time, when God tells me what he wants me to do, it does not line up with how I feel. It doesn't even line up with what makes sense to me. And, and usually it doesn't line up with what every, everybody else is shouting in my ears. Now, now listen to this carefully, all right? And we say this a lot around here, all right? Well, who should you listen to? All right? I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm not God. I'm not God's stand-in. I'm not God's, you know, enforcer or anything like that. All, I, all, I can, all I'm able to do is kind of teach you what God says about a certain subject, but again, that doesn't make me God's stand-in. For example, all right, I can point, you come to me and ask me what the Bible says about divorce, I can tell you. I can point to every verse in there and I can teach you what it means. I can go back to the Hebrew and I can look at the Greek and I, I can say, this is, this is what God says about, all right? But in my 25 years of being a pastor, I have yet to answer anybody's questions, but what about me? Do you think I should get a divorce? Not my pay grade. It's not my job. I, I can't tell you that, but what, this, what the Bible says is, ask God, he'll tell you. He'll tell you what you should or shouldn't do. Now, again, I can point to what God says, but then the two of you, you've got to work it out. Because I promise you, I'm not going to have you come back to me five years from now and say, Jim, I don't think I was supposed to get a divorce, but you told me to. That's too much pressure for me, folks. All I can do is say, you've got to get along with God. He'll tell you what you need, need to do. And this person is saying, listen, God, I don't care what everybody else is telling me. I want to listen to you. You tell me what you think that I ought to do, and I'll think about it. I'll meditate on it. I'll wrestle with it. I'll, I'll try to figure it out. I'll, I'll try to get my arms around it. I'll try to understand what you're teaching, which sounds noble and spiritual. I wish I was a person like that, but look at the next verse. But my soul is weary. And weary there, the Hebrew word for weary there, is the same word they use for a roof that has holes in it and rain's pouring in. My soul is weary with sorrow. In other words, Okay, everybody's looking around going, boy, he's so strong, and he's praying the right prayers and saying the right things, and she's showing up at church, and it looks like I'm doing okay, but I've got to be honest with you, God, I feel like the roof of my life is about to cave in. I feel like everything is about to collapse or under the weight of my loneliness and my emptiness and my pain. Ever feel like that? And this is a fun sermon. Happy Valentine's Day. Look at this. My soul is weary with sorrow, so what am I going to do? I'm going to pray this prayer. Strengthen me 
God, strengthen me. And again, the Hebrew word there means prop me up. Prop me up. My, my knees, they buckled long ago. I need you to either prop me up or hold me up because I cannot stand under this, this weight that's about to cave in. Prop me up, you know, according to your word. Again, God, you promised. You promised to take care of me, and so I'm, I'm calling you on your promise. Prop me up, God. Take care of me. Stand me up. Here's a promise. He'll prop you up. I don't know what you're going through in your life. If you've already gone to your knees on it, if you've already bitten the dust on it, he'll hold you up. He'll prop you up. Look at this next verse. This is, this is especially important. It says, and keep me from deceitful ways. So you prop me up, but keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. And this is great because if you've ever had your life like seriously interrupted, you're going to know what I'm talking about. See, keep me from deceitful ways literally means, God, keep me from walking down a path or a road that looks right and feels right and on a certain level makes sense, but the truth is it's a lie. God, keep me from walking down a road that's a lie. And here's what, here's what I mean. When you're in a crisis, some of us have been there and some of us are there right now, and we're wrestling with this, you're going to be tempted to tell yourself lies rather than face the reality of your life. You are. You're going to be you know, kind of tempted to believe lies from another person who's actually trying to justify what they did. They'll even try to blame you, and you'll believe it. You're going to be tempted, if your life gets rough enough, to, to, to be tempted to walk down a road and do certain things and consider doing things to other people or with other people that feel justifiable, even though you know they're wrong, but it feels like I ought to do that today. Let me give you some examples. Since we're talking about marriage and relationships, you're going to try to convince yourself that it was a one-time affair, that it didn't mean anything, and it probably won't happen again because they said they were really, really sorry, and you're going to believe them. You're just going to ignore it and hope it goes away. It won't. It won't. It's a lie. It won't go away. You've you got to work through it. You're going to hear somebody say that if you had done something different, they wouldn't have been forced to do what they had to do, right? It's actually kind of your fault that they had the affair. It's actually kind of your fault that they had to do this or, or hit you or, or whatever. It's kind of, you kind of have some of the responsibility. Again, that's a lie. They made their decision. And if you had done things differently, lost weight, worked more, worked harder, done this less and done this more, their choice but you're going to be tempted to believe the lie. You're going to be tempted to go out and do the same thing that was done to you, believing that if you can even the score, somehow karma will come back in balance and everything will be all right. It's just not true. It's deceitful ways. So the Bible calls it. It's a lie, and it'll only make things worse. And some of us, we have the scars to prove that. Right? So if I'm not going to do that, what am I going to do? Here's the hard teaching tonight. All right? And this is the song we're going to sing when this is over. It says this. I have, what's the word? Now, come on, kids. I have I've chosen. There's a point in my life I've got to make a choice now. I have chosen the way of truth. My life has fallen apart. I've been slam dunked. I've been, I'm almost ready to tap out. I'm eating dirt right now, and I've got a choice to make, and so I'm going to choose. Not the way I feel. Not, not the way I want, but in spite of how I feel, I'm going to choose to do the right thing. What's the right thing? Well, this is the thing I believe to be true about God. And this is what I think he'll actually show up and do. And this is what he's telling me to do. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Because I believe this to be true about God. And I love this next little phrase. And I have set my heart. And it, literally the Hebrew word there is, I've glued my heart to you. I've stuck my heart on your laws. What do you mean by your laws? 
what you told me was the right thing to do. I've kind of, I'm holding on to it, God. I'm holding on to you, God. I hold fast to your statutes. What you've taught me is the right way to go, Lord. Don't let me be put to shame. In other words, I'm counting on you, God. I'm staking everything on you. I'm risking everything on you, God. And by the way, if you let me down, I got nothing left. So I'm holding on to you. I'm following you. If you let me down, I don't have a plan B. And I love this last verse. So I'm going to run in the path, not of the deceitful ways. I'm going to run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And I love how that literally translates. The guy starts his prayer with, I, I think I'm dying. I think I'm dead. I'm, re- I'm, I'm tapping out. I, you know, I, I'm just laying down here. Just put dirt on me because I, I, I would rather die than go through this. He goes all the way to, I'm going to hold on to you, God, with white knuckles. I'm going to hold on to you as tight as I can. I believe you're going to take me through this. All the way to, you're going to set my heart free, which literally translates somehow through the horrible circumstances of my life. You're going to bring my heart to a better place than it was even before this happened. It literally means enlarge my heart. So, we're kicking off this Life Interrupted series today, and, and i got to be honest with you. I hope your life never gets interrupted. I hope the next month of church is a waste of your time. I really do. I hope all your relationships are happy and fun. I do. Has anybody had a relationship that's always happy and fun? Okay, you might want to come back, all right? I hope that nothing bad ever happens to people that you love. I hope that you never get sick. I hope you never get depressed. I hope that you always have more than enough money. For everything you need and most of the stuff you want. I really do hope that for you. But if you're like me, it's not real. But Jesus promised a couple of things. Look at this. This is, and I'm almost done. Listen to this. John, Jesus says this. He says, I, um, I've told you these things. Like, like this whole sermon. It's like, hey, by the way, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Everybody feel good now? I've told you these things so you can walk out of here in 10 minutes and have peace. And by the way, the things that he just told all these people, all right, he's, he's eating dinner with them. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He says, hey, we're going to get up. We're going to go out over across the, the valley there, and they're going to arrest me, beat me, spit on me, rip my clothes off of me, and nail me to a cross. And I've told you this so that you can have peace. You know, here's why. It's because in a few hours, you're going to feel like your life just fell apart. In a few hours, and this won't make sense right now, but tomorrow, you're going to look at me on a cross and you go, it's over. In a few hours, you're going to have the worst day of your life. And I want you to remember this, because in me, you can have peace. So I want to tell you something to hang on to tomorrow. Hopefully you don't need it today, but if you do listen, but tomorrow, when the phone rings at 2 in the morning, here's a promise, okay? Promise number one. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise. In this world... Your life will be interrupted. In this world, your marriage will go through tough times. People will let you down. Your health will fall apart. You'll get a bad diagnosis from from the doctor eventually, all right? Your your finances won't be what you want them to be. Your children won't do what they're supposed to do. Your parents won't be the parents that, that you need them to be. In this world, you will have trouble. You will. Here's promise number two, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Translated, don't give up. I have and I will take care of you. No matter what this world throws at you, follow me. Follow me. I'll take care of you. So wait a minute. So you're telling me that the takeaway from this is that when my life really, 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 really gets hard, I need to hold on to God real hard? Yeah. What else are you going to do? 
So wait, wait, you're, you're, you're telling me um, that he'll take care of me. Yes, I'm not telling you that. He, he said that. And he'll tell me what I should do. Yes, if you're willing to listen to him, he'll tell you what you should do. Well, here's a bigger question. What if I don't want to do what he wants me to do? What, what if I don't want to do the right thing? What if I don't want to hold on to God? Here's the amazing part. He'll still hold on to you. Isn't that amazing? Because I just get mad at you. He holds on to you. And just look, if you just push rewind in your mind and go back some of the phone call situations in your life, wasn't he there? Wasn't he there? He, well, he's still there. See, when your life falls apart, you got two deals on the table. As best I can tell, here are my options. Follow him or fall apart. Follow him or, or, or fall apart. I don't know what's going on in your life. I've got a couple questions. The question is not, what do you want to do? The question is not, what, what do you feel like doing? The question is, what do you think to be true about God? What do you believe to be true about this God that we sing songs to and pray to and believe he'll take care of us? What do you believe to be true about that? And I'm not your Holy Spirit, but what do you think God's telling you to do? Now, for those of us in this room going, well, this is the most depressing hour I've ever spent in church. No, let me tell you what's depressing. Going through hard stuff alone. That's depressing. Maybe that's why God brought you in here tonight, or a lot of us in here tonight, to remind us that even when life really hurts, even when life really sucks, God is still with us, and he won't let go of us. He takes care of us. He brought you to a church that doesn't throw stones, even if you make the wrong decision. You're welcome here. He brought you to a church that you can call our office on Monday and say, my, my marriage has been interrupted. My whatever has been interrupted. What, what, what do you think I should do? We've got people that will connect you with people that can help. He's brought you to a church that this Friday night, there's a group called Emo, uh, Relationship ER. He said, some of you need to go, some of us need to go, not you, us. Some of us need to show up for a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years. I don't know, but... If you're going through a hard time, show up. We've got a prayer team that's willing to listen to you. You might be here all by yourself tonight. You say, well, I don't even know who to talk to. When the service is over, there'll be people lined up on the wall saying, I'll listen. I'll listen. I'm not your Holy Spirit, but I bet you hear God right now. So let's talk to him. Brian's going to lead, lead us in this one song. He's going to two songs, actually, but this first song is, is, a, is going to be our prayer. And it means this, is that things come and go in our life. Good things come. Bad things come. Things we didn't vote on, phone calls that we had not planned on. Can we get to the place where we say, still I will choose to say, I trust you. So, happy Valentine's Day. Because it could be a rough evening. Or it could be the best Valentine's Day of your life. Let's pray and then be a leader in some, some, some music. God, um, I just want to pray for some specific groups in this room right now. First of all, for all those new couples that things are just great and there's roses and candy in the trunk of the car hidden right now for later tonight, that's awesome. And I pray that you guard their marriages and guard their dating relationships and, and guard their passion and guard their love and guard their feelings and guard their hearts. I, I pray you just continue to do more of what you're already doing in their life. That's great. God, I, I also pray for the marriages in here. Um, it's just not so good. We're not ready to file for divorce yet. But there's not a lot of joy. There's not a lot of 
laughter. And God, I, I pray that those, those, those vulnerable marriages, that you, would, that you would even more be present in them so that nobody is, is satisfied with, well, this is the way it is. God, I pray for the marriages and the relationships in this room that are right on the rocks right now, that we already have an attorney's card in our wallet right now. We're ready, we're ready to call. We're ready to have the conversation. God, I'm not anybody's Holy Spirit like you are. You tell them what they need to do. That's your job, not mine. God, I pray for uh, people in this room that are on the other side of that conversation, on the other side of divorce, and they, they look back on holidays like this, and it just brings back a lot of painful memories. And I just pray that you would just heal up their hearts. What happened to them shouldn't have happened. It wasn't right. I don't know whose fault it was, but it's not a good thing. Right now, would you just put your arms around and hold on to us, even if we don't have the strength to hold on to you right now. God, I pray for the kids in this room. Especially the kids that have seen and heard things that kids just weren't supposed to hear or see. And you would protect their young hearts. And you would, even tonight, whisper to them, I'm here. If everybody else leaves you, I'm, I'm still here. God, teach us what it means to, to pray a prayer like we're about to sing. That Even though things come and go, still I will choose your truth. I'll, I'll choose to say, blessed be your name. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.